All right. Good morning. Good morning. Glad you're here. Uh, Todd is doing a family reunion this weekend, so uh, I'm, I'm here with my boys and Katie again. So we're going to stand and sing. We're going to start off with a new one. Y'all come on, stand up. Stand up this one called Sing Wherever I Go. It's a little, a little more lively, so hopefully you can get into this. But uh, we're excited to celebrate and worship God on the 4th of July, celebrating the freedom that we have in Christ. So uh, we're just going to talk about how we can sing wherever we go and enjoy his presence uh, all the time. So here we go. You can be seated. Hey, welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us today on the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to you guys. And so we're so glad that you're here, as we said. If you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. And one great thing that you can do 
is to fill out that guest registration card that's located right there in front of you. It's just a white card. If you can take that and fill it out, there's a spot. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, indicate that on the card. And then after our service, you go to the Welcome Center, which is just out these doors and to the left. There's a black box there. You can drop it there or give it to Tim as he'll be at the Welcome Center. And we have a small gift for you for coming and being a part of our service. As we celebrate our independence, we want to take some time just to pray for our leaders as a nation. We want to pray for our political government leaders. And so I want to read some scripture and then lead us in a time of prayer. So 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, but especially for kings and those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases our God and Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so today we want to pray for President Joe Biden. We want to pray for Vice President Kamala Harris. We want to pray for Tennessee Governor Bill Lee. We want to pray for our Coffee County Mayor, Gary Cordell, and our Manchester Mayor, Marilyn Howard. So would you join me in prayer as we bow our heads, take a moment to pray. We're going to start off with just a little bit of silence, and then I'll lead us in a prayer from there. God, we as your people acknowledge that you have placed these leaders in positions of authority. And Daniel 2.21 says that you changed the times and the seasons You remove kings and you establish kings. So we ask that you would protect President Biden and his wife, as well as Vice President Harris and her husband, from the forces of evil that desire to influence them and harm them. We appeal to you that you would provide wisdom to our president and our leaders so they may see what you desire and that they may be influenced by you and your Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would empower our leaders to make decisions that will protect our nation at all times, leading us to be able to live tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. And God, we earnestly ask that President Biden and President Harris and their administration, Bill Lee, and our local leaders would fear you and follow you as they lead our country in our communities. We ask all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen. We are here to sing about uh, the freedom we have in Christ, uh, what God has done for us. You know, we don't have the flag without the cross. And all the notions that have made this country great of sacrifice and encourage in, in the face of fear, uh, those are all demonstrated by Christ. Th- those things were inspired by our Lord and the people who, who wanted to, to come over here and, and, and build this country. So uh, we're grateful for that. And we're going to sing uh, to God about how great he is. So stand with us. This is another new song, but uh, it's pretty easy to pick up. It's about the truth of God. It's about the, the, the freedom we have in Christ. And even if you aren't picking up the, 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 the melodies yet, just focus in on the words and let those speak to your heart. So here we go.
is uh, we ask that God be the vision of our lives, that we uh, tune our hearts to who he is. We just submit to God's 
leadership in our lives, making ourselves available to him, that he would speak true what is we need to hear and that we would listen.
God, we offer our hearts and our lives to you this morning. Help us to hear your word. Help us to, to just listen and the truth that you speak, that we would just be open to let that make a difference in our lives, that you would transform us to be more like you. God, just do your thing in our hearts. As we submit to you, it's your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be here. I want to thank you uh, last week for praying for us. Why we had uh, 47 high school students uh, down in Mobile, Alabama, serving on a mission trip. We had a great week. Uh, the students worked hard. They did a great job uh, down there. You should be proud of them. And and uh, highlight we had uh, two students profess Christ and. We got to baptize them out on the beach, and so that was uh, a lot of fun as well. So then I'm also going to ask for your prayers. Leave tomorrow morning and take uh, 25 middle schoolers to camp. So we'll need much prayer, I'm sure. Um, So if you can pray for us uh, this coming week, that would be great also. Excited to be here on this 4th of July Sunday and celebrating our 245th uh, declaration of Independence, where we're we're free and, and and part of the greatest country in the world, and I'm proud to be an American and and proud to be part of this country and and uh, enjoy the freedoms that we deserve as citizens of this great country. But the reality is, um, this really isn't our home. In fact, listen to what uh, Paul writes in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 says this, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. We experience in that world around us, don't we? Uh, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship as believers in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to look to uh, the book of 1 Peter. You know, Peter writes to a a people who were discouraged, who were facing persecution, and who he called to live differently, to be different. And so I want us to look in the book of 1 Peter uh, this morning. We We won't read all of these verses, but throughout these two letters, Peter calls these believers strangers or sojourners. Uh, foreigners, aliens, um, because he says that they're, they're essentially just passing through. He refers to us even as exiles, because he says this is not our home, that our home is in heaven, and so we're just passing through. Why we're living here, we're called to be different. We're called to have a different life. Our life should look different. So you see, Peter is writing to these believers who uh, lived in uh, kind of dark days. I mean, they were uh, under the authority of Emperor Nero. He's one of the worst uh, leaders in history. We know that he even lit his own city on fire and then blamed the Christians because they wouldn't allow him to build. And so he blamed the Christians who were already experiencing persecution. And this just, uh, uh, they, they experienced greater persecution after this. And so these Christians lived during a time of political unrest and, and social injustice. 
financial instability and, and trials and tribulations that were constantly hindering the church. See, does that sound familiar to us today? It sounds very familiar with the things that we face today. So I think this letter applies to us. We're called no differently than the believers in Peter's day. Peter's writing this letter to us, calling us to live a life that looks different. We're going to begin in chapter 1, in verse 13. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, it'll be on the screen. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is that to be different, we're called to pursue holiness. We're called to pursue holiness. Follow along as I begin in verse 13. Says this, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am. Am holy. Let's first note here God is holy. We worship a holy God. And, and God calls us as his people to be holy. Theologian Wayne Grudem, in describing the holiness of God, says this that God uh, is the complete, is uh, the holiness of God as the com- is the complete separation from sin. That God is separate from anything that has existed or will exist. Because he is entirely morally pure all the time and in every possible way. That describes the holiness of God. And that holy God calls us to be holy in all that we do. The Greek word uh, hagios means holy. It means that we're to be set apart. That we're to be different. That our lives are to be defined as pure. So when we begin to think about what holiness looks like, personal holiness, it speaks to our character. It speaks to our integrity, our righteousness, and the things that we do, the things that we think, the things that we say. All of our lives, we're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be pure. We're called to be holy. So when we begin to think about that, um, how does that happen? Does that just happen naturally? I, I don't believe it just happens naturally. In fact, Peter, in verse 13, he begins to say, he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and be self-controlled. If we begin to think about preparing our minds for action, that means we, and, and being prepared, we have to have a plan. We have to recognize each day that we're in a spiritual battle. You know, by, by nature, we're, we're a people who plan, Right? Um, we've heard of planning meetings. Maybe at work you have weekly meetings. We have a staff meeting each Monday morning uh, to plan and to prepare for the week and for the month ahead. And uh, teachers have uh, teaching plans, right, so that they can know what they're going to teach that week and in the months ahead. Maybe you have a diet plan. Maybe you just want to begin to eat healthy. And so you lay out a plan of what you're going to eat or you start, you know, measuring food or counting calories or cutting out carbs and sugar. And so you have a plan to do that. Maybe you have a financial plan. You, you live by a budget and you decide what you can spend and, and based on what you earn and, and, and you, you plan when you're going to make big purchases because you've got to save for them. Um, maybe it's vacation plans. You decide where you're going to go, how long you're going to stay there, the things that you're going to do, how much you're going to spend. So you see in, in life we do a lot of planning. And so we don't just pursue holiness without planning and without being prepared to do so. 
right? Because we're in this spiritual battle, and, and so we recognize that we've got to have a plan for our spiritual growth. We've got to have a plan uh, to pursue holiness. We've got to have a plan to surround ourselves with people that can help to hold us accountable. So we've got to have a plan even to learn God's Word. You see, often, I think that we don't pursue holiness because we're just trying to look like everyone else. You know, sometimes that's our struggle. We're just trying to look like everyone else. And for some of you, the greatest obstacle uh, toward following Christ is just simply your desire to fit in, right? You just want to fit in. And so we need to know that God didn't create you to fit in. God called us to stand out, to be different. God didn't call us to blend in, but God called us to be set apart, to be holy, to be pure. You see, a lot of times when we begin to think, you know, maybe just this desire to fit in or this desire to to be normal. When we look around us, normal is often broken. Normal is alone. Sometimes normal is, is pain or suffering or being stressed or hurting or being afraid. So we experience all these different things, and that's sometimes what we define as normal. But what God calls us to is holiness. You know, the reality is, is without a plan, it's easy to slip into sin. It's easy to slip into sin. You know, I love, sometimes it's helpful to read other versions of the Bible. I'm reading the NIV this morning, but the New Living Translation, I like the way it says, verse 14, listen to this, I'm going to read it again. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Your desires maybe to fit in, right? To look like everyone else. You know, it's, in reality, we, we've heard of this, right? We, we hear of people who uh, maybe are backslidden or people have said, man, I just I fell into sin or I fell into temptation. You know what I've never heard? I've never heard anybody just say, man, I was just going along and I just got, got tripped up and I just fell right into holiness, right? We don't ever hear of that because it doesn't just happen automatically. We don't just fall into holiness. We have to pursue holiness, and so we have to have a plan. I can promise you this, um, that Satan has a plan, right? He has a plan to take us out. He has a plan to, to knock us down. In fact, in the, as the father of lies in John 10, 10, we know that he, his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. So Satan has a plan, and if, and if we're not prepared, and if we don't have a plan, and if we're not practicing self-control, as verse 13 calls us to, we're going we're gonna to slip into that sin, it's going to be easy to fall into that temptation. And so, you know, the reality is, is, is Satan, man, he's subtle. He's sneaky. My guess is he, he probably hasn't asked any of you just outrightly uh, to be a devil worshiper, to, to start worshiping and, and sacrificing chickens in your garage. He probably hasn't put any of that on any of your hearts. But what he probably has done is he's begun to deny the truth. He's begun to plant doubts, just like he did with Adam and Eve. When he asked them, did God really say that? And he began to plant that doubt in your mind. And he's subtle and he's sneaky. And he destroys your life by you walking away from holiness by pursuing these things that he puts out in front of you. You see, he, he makes us ask, did God really say that we shouldn't watch that, that movie or that TV series on Netflix? Did God really say that? Did God really say that you shouldn't manipulate a situation at work to get a promotion? man, you've worked so hard, you deserve it. And so Satan begins to, to tell you these other things instead of pursuing holiness. Did God really say that we should tell everything that we know about everyone uh, and gossip in the form of a prayer request just to 
pray for them and to have them on our hearts. Did God really say that? Did God really say that we shouldn't post these comments or these pictures on Instagram? I mean, really, I mean, the Bible never mentions Instagram, right? So did God really say that? And that's what Satan begins to do in our heads and in our hearts. He begins just to plant doubt. And so when we don't have a plan, we just fall in to his sneaky little uh, plan that he has for us. You see, verse 13 calls us to be prepared. It calls us to practice self-control, to set our minds on the grace that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, another way that Satan uh, lies to us is that he tells us that our, that our happiness should be above our holiness, that we should put our happiness in life above our holiness. In other words, that we should do whatever makes us happy. You see, sometimes when we consider life, and we think about the things that are happening in our life, um, the happenings in our life don't always make us happy, do they? So, in fact, sometimes the things that are happening in our life make us unhappy. They, they make us sad. And so uh, many people wrongly believe that God's highest calling for your life is for you to be happy. But that's not God's highest calling. God's highest calling for our lives is for us to be holy, to follow Him. You see, when we buy into that theology of happiness that says that, our, that we should be happy above everything else, uh, it empowers in us this mind frame of, of personal justification. What I mean by that is, is, is it helps us, it, it makes us say that since I'm not happy, I'm able to do anything I can to get happy. And, and we're, we can justify whatever we're doing to bring happiness in our lives instead of pursuing holiness. You see, maybe, maybe there's somebody that's hurt you. Maybe they've said something about you and they've hurt you. They've done something to hurt you. And so because that didn't bring you happiness, you just begin to speak about them in a negative way. And you gossip about them or you say whatever you want and you justify them in your minds because they did something that hurt you. It didn't make you happy. You see, maybe there's just something in life that you want. And nothing can bring you happiness like that one thing. It doesn't matter if it puts you in great debt. It doesn't matter if your spouse doesn't want you to, to do that or to buy that specific thing. You're going to get that one thing no matter what. And so to pursue happiness, you go get that thing. Maybe you're in a dating relationship in here. And you think, man, I'll tell you what would really make me happy. And so there's no limitations on your intimacy and on your purity. Because that brings you happiness. I mean, after all, that's the way God wired us, right? He gave us needs. Now, I'll tell you what will make me happy. And so instead of pursuing holiness, we pursue what would make us happy. See, worse yet, maybe you're married. And in, in, in your married life, you're going along and you're just like, man, this, this spouse, this wife, this husband of mine, they just, they just don't make me happy anymore. I'll tell you what would make me happy is if I could just, man, this lady at work would make me happy. This parent on the ball team, they would make me happy. And so you put aside all holiness to pursue happiness. It goes against what God's calling us to do. You see, when we believe that God wants us to be happy above all else, then things like discomfort or delay or risk or suffering, we, we begin to think in our mind and justify, that can't be God's will, that can't be what God wants for me. See, without knowing it, we begin to put comfort and money and pleasure and things over and above God in our pursuit of holiness that he's called us to, to be holy in all that you do. You see, that theology of happiness says that God exists to serve me. 
That's what happiness is about, is making me happy, right? But the reality is, is, is God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. He's a holy, righteous, perfect God. And he's called us to pursue holiness in our lives. And so the, the first thing we need to do to be different in this day and age is we've got to pursue holiness. Instead of justifying all of our actions or just numbing down or not having a standard and having no plan, let's have a plan to pursue holiness. Let's practice self-control and pursue holiness. Let's, let's not slip back into the things that we used to do before coming to Christ. Let's pursue holiness. And the second thing that I want us to see out of this passage comes in verse Verse 17, it's for us to live fearfully. And that sounds strange, right? Live fearfully. But here's what the passage says. Here's what Peter writes to them. In verse 17, Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. And so here's one of those places where he calls us strangers, he calls us foreigners, exiles, because this isn't our home. And so why we're living here, we're to live our lives in reverent fear. So when we begin, what, what does Peter mean by reverent fear? Our reverent fear is connected to the holiness of God, right, that we just read about. Because God is holy, it drives us to live life in a certain way. And so our reverent fear um, is this deep-rooted respect for God that we have as the highest authority over our life. It's, a, it's more than just respect. It's this deep respect, this sense of awe, this sense of gratitude, this sense of admiration for who God is, the sense of honor that only He bestows. And so we're all struck by the holiness of God. And that sense of honor and deep respect and for His authority and His love over our lives it drives us to live fearfully, to, be, to have reverent fear for God. See, because of who he is and because of what he's done, it, it should drive us to want to live in that reverent fear. It's the, the fear that, that helps push us toward holiness, right? Sometimes the, the consequences of something prevent us from doing it. And so in this way, sometimes we, man, our God is a holy God and he expects holiness out of me. He, that, that, can, that can determine decisions maybe that we make. You see, to fear God, another author writes this, to fear God is to have a wholesome dread of ever displeasing the Lord. To have a wholesome dread of ever doing anything that would displease the Lord. And so then Peter goes on in verse, verse 17 to, to give us a couple of different ways um, that, that drive us to have this reverent fear of the Lord. The first one is in verse 17. He says that God um, judges each man's work impartially. So God is an impartial judge. That's good news because here's the thing. Um, he, he doesn't play favorites, right? God doesn't, um, he, he doesn't care about politics. You can't buy your forgiveness from him. Um, God doesn't care where you live, where you went to college, the car you drive. God is a perfect and holy judge, and he's just in his judgment, right? He doesn't care about whether you're rich or poor, man or woman, the career path you have. God is an impartial judge. With him, it's not a popularity contest. It's not who you know. God is an impartial judge. And he doesn't just sweep sin under the rug or just not, not worry about the way that we live. He calls us to be holy, just as he is holy. You see, the second thing that Peter points us to is salvation. In verses 18 to 21, he reminds us that we've been saved. He reminds us of the great cost of our salvation. Listen to this. Uh, for you know, right, we, um, 
the way we live our lives in reverent fear is because of the things we know. We know about salvation. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. So that's not how we were redeemed. But, in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and your hope are in God. You see, Peter points us to salvation. He points us to the fact that our lives, that we should live a holy life in pursuit of holiness because we are saved by a holy God who sent his son, who gave up his son. It's not something we can buy, right? He gave up his son, his sinless son, so that we can have salvation in him. You see, and that, that drives the way that we live. It drives our pursuit of holiness. It changes the way we think. It's not that we have to do this. It's, it's, it puts a desire in our hearts to live in a way that honors God. Let me say this. Living holy is not the path to knowing Christ. Okay, living holy is not the path to knowing Christ, right? We can't just change a few things about us or get rid of a few bad habits and then know Christ. Instead, knowing Christ is the path to living holy. You see, Jesus is what brings about that change in our lives and in our hearts. He brings about that change in who we are. You see, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we would just modify a couple of things that we're doing just to slightly change our behavior, right? We're not talking about an outward behavior modification. What we're talking in this pursuit of holiness, we're talking about an inward spiritual transformation. You see, it's like this. Let me give you an example. Back when I was in high school, I was, I was saved at the age of 10. Uh, but my, my relationship with the Lord, my pursuit of Him, me having a plan, me, me uh, loving Him with my whole heart, me having any reverent fear of Him really didn't start immediately. In fact, I would say I don't I just kind of went through the motions in high school. It was just kind of fun to go to church and be there. My, you know, three or four of my best friends went to church, and you know, it was always fun to play basketball and eat some pizza, right? And, and so being there was just fun. So I didn't care. I'd, I'd go to church. But I didn't really allow Christ to begin to change me and spiritually transform me from the inside. And so I had this job in high school. I worked at a video store. Um, and so since we just had one in our town, you all know what that is. Many, many towns haven't had video stores for a year, but I worked at a video store. It was a great job because you could sit there and watch movies and get paid, right? And everybody wanted to work at this video store. And so we had a lot of people that put in applications. And so I can remember sitting there one night and my mom would bring me dinner and, um, you know, usually we'd just sit there and chat for a minute. And so she was looking at these applications of people that had applied to want to work at that video store. And I was sitting there eating and she read this part of this application, and I said, no, you know, just cussed, just blew it out, just blurted it out right there in front of her. And she still laughs about that today and says that my eyes got as big as half dollars because I was like, what did I just say in front of my mom, right? You know, I I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a home where, I mean, we weren't even allowed to watch PG-13 movies, right? I mean, it was they didn't cuss. They, they taught us not to cuss. That wasn't the way we lived. But, you know, I wanted to fit in, right? That was my desire. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to sound tough. And so I had began to cuss in, in high school, and, and sports brought it out in me. 
And so right then, I just blurted it out. So then I was trying to back, I was like, I don't know why I said that. I never say that. I, I don't even know how that came out, right? But it came out because I hadn't begun to let God spiritually transform my heart and change who I was. I had made a few behavior modifications, and I could do that depending on who I was around. You know, I could cuss in front of my friends. I wouldn't change, I wasn't modifying any behavior in front of them, but I was in front of my mom, my mom, right? And so the reality is, I didn't have any reverent fear. I wasn't really truly pursuing holiness that God had called me to. I was just living life like I wanted to. You know, on a side note, parents, I want to encourage you, live a holy life in front of your kids. Demonstrate holiness in front of them. Pursue holiness. Teach them to pursue holiness. And then guess what? When they mess up like I did, you don't have to carry that guilt around you. That's, that's all me, right? It was my choice to speak that way. I knew better. My parents had taught me differently. But on a side note, parents, if they don't see you pursuing holiness, it, it just gives them another personal justification as to why they don't have to pursue holiness. Before we go on to the third point, I want to read just a couple of verses uh, in Scripture that, that talk about us having proper fear of God. The reality is uh, fear of the Lord is mentioned numerous times in Scripture, and I'm just going to point out a couple of them. In Proverbs 1-7, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So when I begin to think about making decisions in life, uh, the fear of the Lord can, can drive my decision-making. It can give me knowledge and wisdom and instruction instead of putting it away and doing what I want. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says this, Since then we know that what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. You see, our fear of the Lord even drives our evangelism. It even drives the way um, that we live our lives to compel others to love Jesus. So the fear of the Lord, it, it helps us make decisions. It helps us, drives our evangelism. Here's, here's a third example in Philippians 2.12 says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see, if we're going to live different, if we're going to pursue holiness, that, that fear of the Lord, it drives our desire to live a holy life. Understanding who he is, having a proper understanding who he is, and that he's the highest authority in your life will change the way that you live. So we're called to be holy. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be pure. We're called to be different. The third thing I want us to see in this passage is that we're called to love deeply. We're called to love deeply. Listen in verse 22. It says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply, from the heart. And the passage continues, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so based on his powerful word, he calls us to love one another deeply. You see, um, we, we need one another, right? Life is difficult. Life is hard. It's hard to, to stand up for truth. It's hard to, to not fall into temptation. So we need the support of one another. When things are going great, we need to celebrate with one another. When times are tough, we need to encourage one another. In Scripture, we're called to love one another and care for one another and forgive one another, support one another, pray for one another. All throughout Scripture, 
Um, our, our relationship with one another as believers is encouraged to be strong. We're people, you see, they can see um, the, the way we are living different by the way that we are loving one another. See, we're called to love one another deeply. And for me, I, I, when, when Peter is saying this, I can't help but think about him sitting some 30 years earlier in the, in the room in the Last Supper with Jesus. And Jesus says in John 13, Jesus says to him and the other disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think that's resounding in Peter's heart. He, had, he didn't forget, he didn't, you know, never forgot that last meal that he, he celebrated with Jesus and the things that Jesus taught him to be a servant leader and to love others. And so we see it all through this letter. P- Peter mentions this in every chapter, um, except the last chapter here. And so we just read it in chapter 1. Listen to chapter 2 and verse 17. He says this. He writes, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Then in chapter 3, he writes this. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. He writes in the next chapter in chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You see, we've got to love each other deeply. It's going to help us in our pursuit of holiness to encourage each other, to to hold each other up, to support each other, to keep each other on the right path. As part of our plan, it ought to be for us to love each other and depend on each other, the people in this room. And so Peter is calling us not to be loners in our faith, but to be in community to relationally love um, each other in our pursuit of loving God. So he calls us in this passage to pursue holiness, to live fearfully, to love deeply, so that we look different in this world. This world's got a lot of things going on that are, that are not healthy. And just like we read in that verse in Philippians, um, it, it's so easy to see that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ, as we read in Philippians. And so because of that, we need to live differently. We need to be an example of our holy God to people around us. As we close this morning, I just want to offer a, an invitation to you. You know, I know this morning, I, I, you, if you don't have a relationship with this holy God, you can have a relationship with him this morning. If you begin to think, man, I, sometimes I just try to modify a few of my behaviors, but I don't know that I'm really allowing Jesus to transform my life, then give your life to him this morning. Trust in him this morning. Maybe you just say, man, I'm not really living my life in fear, and there's ways that I can pursue holiness. Then whatever it is, pursue holiness in your life in that area. You know yourself best, right? Maybe you just think, man, I'm not loving others like I'm called to. Maybe you want to join our church. You can come be a part of this body of believers where you can find community and find support and find love. And we've got a plan for your spiritual growth. So come be a part of our, of our body of believers here. At the conclusion, in just a moment or two, as you're exiting the doors, I'll be out there at that desk. And maybe you want to come talk to me about something. I'll be out there. Come talk to me this morning about whatever it is. Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue by singing. Father God, we pray this morning and just thank you that you are a holy God. And thank you that you sent your son Jesus to offer us salvation. That salvation is in him alone. 
God, we thank you for the forgiveness of sin that you offer us. And I pray, Lord, that we live with a desire to to pursue holiness. God, you call us to, to be holy in all that we do to live with a reverent fear of you, to live in loving the community of believers that you've put around us. God, we thank you for the community of believers that you've given us, and we, we pray that we can love and support one another as you've called us to in Scripture. God, it's in your sins, and we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.
Amen. You can be seated. So we want to thank Tim for bringing the message this morning while Dr. Cox is on vacation. So um, we appreciate that. I also want to thank Daniel for uh, leading us in worship while Todd is out on vacation as well. You've got uh, some talented uh, kids there leading with you. And, and you're amazing too, by the way. But enough of that. We don't, we don't need to go there. Um, but anyway, hey, just go to your worship guide for just a second. Uh, I just want to point out some things. No outdoor worship this week, so we'll jump back in uh, on the 14th. And so no outdoor worship this Wednesday. But you see all kinds of great things there about outdoor, uh, the outdoor baptism or the lake baptism. Uh, but I want to highlight there at the bottom just the summer ministry opportunities. Uh, invest in the best. We talked about that last week. That's a backpack program where we partner with our county school system. If you signed up for a card to buy school supplies for a student, uh, we have those cards available. So there'll be somebody there at the little display in the foyer who can help you get a card and get signed up. But we went ahead and got a few more just in case you weren't here last week and you don't know anything about this and you want more information and you'd like to buy school supplies for a student this year. We've got some extra cards, some extra students, so that you can be a part of that as well. So let's uh, pray together and that'll close out our service. Father, I thank you for the message that we have heard. And God, as you are holy, Father, we pray that you would form in our hearts the desire to be more and more like you. Holy Spirit, make that a reality. We ask all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen.